We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lakers Nation, welcome into the Lakers Nation podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Also check out my Substack, TrevorLane.substack.com. Just wrote a piece about Russell Westbrook and his triumphant play off of the bench for the Lakers, helping them get a win against the Denver Nuggets, as well as the history behind my sign off. Why do I say sign off at the end of every show and every video that we do? There actually is a story behind that. You can check that out again, trevorlane.substack.com. So we've got a lot to get into today. I do have some super chat questions that were left over from our last live show after the Denver Nuggets win. It was great to see the Lakers get a win there. I felt better waking up the other day on Halloween, just that the Lakers had won. And finally, they had a they had one in the win column, and it was a good win at that. So I've got a lot of questions that we're going to dive into in the latter portion of the show. But we also have a few news topics to talk about involving Miles Turner and a potential trade that would land him in L.A., as well as Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier, a deal with the Hornets. We had an update there from Mark Stein. So let's jump right into those topics. Well, actually, you know, before we do, let me ask you guys to do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and toss a, a pleasant review in there, if you will. Even if you are a viewer on the YouTube channel, you're watching the video version of this, it's a great way to help support the show is to go over and uh, give us that five-star rating and review if you haven't done so already. It helps us out with our rankings, and it's, a, it's a, just a big help for the podcast in general. If you are watching the video, go ahead and like this video, too. If, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Again, appreciate all the help and all the support that we've had from all of you out there that have been watching and listening over the years. All right, let's start things off with Miles Turner. So he was on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast, and Woj, I mean, it, this was amazing. This was fantastic. Uh, Woj just flat out asked, do you think you're worth two first-round picks? Should the Lakers trade two first-round picks to get you? What do you think about that deal? Uh, rare to hear a player actually get to evaluate their own trade value around the league but I thought Miles Turner did a very nice job of it he really approached it almost from a GM perspective and talked about how his contract is expiring and how that matters in terms of value and all those sorts of things and that um but that he thinks he can bring a lot to the Lakers potentially in terms of leadership and shot blocking and shooting and all of that he didn't 
he didn't come out and say like, hey, I want to be a Laker or Lakers come trade for me or anything like that. It, there were moments where it felt a little bit like almost reverse tampering, like a player asking a team to go trade for him instead of a team trying to trade for a player, trying to acquire another team's player. Um, I don't think he crossed the line there, but it was pretty clear that he wouldn't mind a trade to the Lakers. It's not something that he would be upset about. This guy's been in trade rumors for years. He talked about that, said he thought he was going to the Celtics at one point, and then it fell apart. He's been in all kinds of trade rumors. Um, he, you know, he also talked about LeBron and how LeBron needs to needs to win and how he holds this high standard of excellence and, and all of that. So it sounds like Miles Turner is a guy who would be very interested in coming to the Lakers. He talked about how he has this untapped potential now that he really gets to play the center position, which is what the Lakers would also ask him to play. Remember, he was playing alongside Domitas Sabonis and Sabonis got traded last season to the Sacramento Kings, but Turner was hurt at the time. So he never really got to fully slide over to the center slot. He's had some good games with the Pacers. He's had some other games where he was just okay, which last night's game again against the Nets, he was kind of just okay. But interesting skill set. And the more we see problems popping up with Anthony Davis's back, and the more we see Damian Jones, my guy, look questionable there in the middle, the more I'm leaning towards if the Lakers are going to do a trade, it might be of their benefit to find a way to get a big involved in the deal if nothing else just to take some of the burden off of ad because now we're even seeing lebron at center in some games and look that can be a strategy that can be a, a good one but i don't know if it's one that you want to have to go to simply out of necessity because you don't have other bigs to turn to thomas bryant uh coming back could change that dynamic but for now something to keep an eye on and miles turner continues to be a name that the lakers could potentially target he's the guy we're going to talk about too in our fan questions uh mark stein in his fantastic Substack, uh, did have a comment about the Lakers and their situation in a potential trade with the Charlotte Hornets. Terry Rozier is a player that they've been interested in for some time, and he is like he makes sense as a target. I know they don't really need more guards, but he is a guard who is capable of playing on or off the ball, and I think that's important. Uh, he's able to play on ball. He shoots well enough to play off ball. He would bring some three-point shooting to a Lakers team that needs it, and so I think he checks some boxes there. Yes, in a vacuum, I'd rather see the Lakers go get a wing. I'd rather see them get a big. I think those things are more important right now. But Terry Rozier does check some boxes. Now, we often hear Gordon Hayward added in here. And this is where Mark Stein said it's actually a problem for the Lakers um, because the Lakers are still not thrilled about potentially having to take on Gordon Hayward's contract. So I put the contracts up on the screen here if you're watching the video version of the show. If not, I'll, if you're listening to the podcast, I'll just tell you what it is. Uh, Gordon Hayward, 32 years old right now, and he has 30 million coming to him this season, 31.5 million next season. Now, it's a little bit odd because Terry Rozier, over the next four seasons, this season included, is going to make $100 million, almost 96 and change. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of future salary. And so, if you're the Lakers and you really like Terry Rozier, clearly, if you're going to do a trade for him, you're willing to take on future salary. You're taking on three extra years of, of future salary if you were to, to do a trade involving Russell Westbrook, uh, who expires. So if you're willing to do that, it's interesting to draw the line, so to speak, according to, to Mark Stein, at Gordon Hayward having one more year and $31.5 Now, that's not an insignificant amount of money, but it's also not like Gordon Hayward is you know, com a complete non-playable player or anything. Like He can give you some things that you actually need, particularly uh, because he's a wing. And we've talked all about how the Lakers need more wings He's not the ideal solution to the problem. It's not like you get him and you say, oh, we are set now on the wing. 
but I think he can help you. He can do some things there that can really help you. Again, the age is creeping up, and so you've got some concerns there. But interesting that Mark Stein is noting that the Lakers, one of the problems they've got with the Charlotte trade is that they don't really want to take on Gordon Hayward's contract. Now, perhaps that's a negotiating standpoint. Perhaps that's a, you know what? We really don't want Gordon Hayward's contract, but I'll tell you what. If you allow us to put protections on this pick, okay, we'll take it. You know, it could be that type of situation where it's a negotiating stance and not necessarily a something you know written in stone or anything that they simply won't take back Gordon Hayward. But if that is accurate, interesting to see that the Lakers do have some appetite for absorbing future salary, but they do have limitations with that in terms of a deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, again, I don't know that Charlotte is the best... I, the teams we continue to hear are Indiana, Charlotte, and San Antonio, and everybody can make uh, arguments for each trade, depending on exactly who's in, what has to go out in order to get them, um, all of those things. But all those all could be options for the Lakers and certainly stuff that we'll get into here as we dive into our questions and comments. Although I'll tell you what, there is an interesting phenomenon that's going on right now among Lakers fans. I can't tell you, and you're going to see it when I get into my questions here, how many Lakers fans are suddenly asking the question, can we do trade X without Russell Westbrook? What if we keep Russell Westbrook? This was not the conversation three days ago, four days ago. Nobody was talking about keeping Russell Westbrook. The conversation was, how can we get rid of Russ? It was just barely over a week ago that the Portland game happened, and we were talking legitimately about sending Russell Westbrook home and whether or not the Lakers would be better off just going down that route. And now here we are, and we've got people asking, can we hold Russ out of, of these trades? It's amazing the difference one game makes. I think that it partly is, is telling in that it shows how much analysis we put into each game when it's early in the season. Because we have such a small sample size, every single game feels like it matters that much more. Whereas when we're 40 games in, if Russ has one good game and the entire rest of the season has been bad, nobody's going to go crazy and say, oh, okay, everything is fixed and maybe this can really work. At the beginning of the season, though, that can be a factor. And the same is true the other way as well. If Russ is having has had an entire season of great games, if he has one bad game, nobody's going to lose their mind. Um, you just We just have a small sample size right now. So we're kind of riding that roller coaster with each and every game. Nevertheless, let's get into the questions and comments here. Oh, man, we got some good ones. Uh, Kylan said, shout out Anthony Davis. Man, he dominated with his leadership and voice on the defensive end. Love to see some passion and fire back in him. Yeah, look, he was playing through injury. Uh, Darvin Ham talked about how much that meant seeing Anthony Davis got it out. Uh, telling, AD was telling him he wasn't going to come off the floor when Ham was asking him if he was all right. And he said, AD told him, I'm good. I've got you. Like, like it meant something to Anthony Davis. It meant something to this Lakers team as a whole to win this game for Darvin Ham to get him his first win. This mattered to them to get him a win as a head coach. You've probably seen the video. It's been circulating around from the locker room uh, of them dumping water all over Darvin Ham and celebrating and, and all of that. Very good to see. Uh, it shows that this team is playing for this coach and they're responding to him and they want to win for him. So that was, was heartwarming to see, but yeah, look, AD on the defensive end, he gutted out as much as people give him, uh, all kinds of flack for being soft and, and street clothes and all of that kind of stuff. Here he is with a back injury. And look, it's fair. Roll your eyes. Another injury already. He came into the season saying, I want to play 82 games. He's already missed one. He's grabbing his back every time down the floor. 
that's one way to look at it. But you can also say, man, how tough is this guy that his back is hurt, clearly hurting him every single play, every step he's running down the floor, and yet he's still out there. So that was impressive, and I think it did help set the tone for the rest of the team. Uh, SR37 said, none and Bev for Turner as a backup option. See what I'm talking about? Or Russ, or is Russ only the trade piece? Uh, still guard heavy, and they'll probably need a center to keep AD healthy and at the power forward more. Yeah, I am leaning more and more towards maybe finding another center. Now, you can go find somebody in free agency, perhaps. You can do a smaller deal to find a center. I'm not saying you have to move Russell Westbrook to get a center. You also don't have to move him in order to get, say, Miles Turner. You could still get to a Miles Turner trade without Russell Westbrook. You could just trade, as this the suggestion says, uh, Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly. That's about $18 million and change that you'd be sending out, which is plenty to trade for the contract of Miles Turner. You know, you'd have to, uh, to uh, attach draft capital. And the Pacers would have to be willing to do that. I don't know what value they would give to that package compared to a Russell Westbrook trade, who is also an expiring contract, but also would be a lot more money coming in for them. Uh, do they value, for example, you couldn't do Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. That's too much money that would be coming back in for Nunn and Beverly. So how do the Pacers see Buddy Heald? Is it a positive for them to get off of his money? to where Russell Westbrook coming in and Buddy Heald going out would be the preferred option for them, where they're clearing Heald and Turner off of their books because my, because Buddy Heald has another year on his deal. Is that valuable to them, to where they see moving off of Buddy as a positive? Or would they rather do a couple of smaller expiring contracts? No Russell Westbrook. You don't have to deal with buying him out. You could put Pat Bev on the floor for, for them if they wanted to. They could put Kendrick Nunn on the floor for them. And, uh, and then you flip them that way for draft picks coming back and expiring contracts. It's an option. I don't know exactly what the Pacers' preference would be. I don't know if the Lakers would even want to do this just yet. You know, Darvin Ham was talking about the positive influence that Patrick Beverly has had on the young players and as a, as a steady veteran. And he was singing his praises for what that's meant for the team. So I, don't even, I can't even say the Lakers are ready to make that move. But logistically, yes, you could in theory trade for a guy like Miles Turner, Jakob Pertle. You could do a deal for just Buddy Heald. You could do a deal for Josh Richardson. You've got these two contracts, Lonnie Walker as well after December 15th, that you could package together in a deal to get a wing or a big. Uh, Travis, is AD is hurt most of the year again? Do we expect a trade in the offseason? What are the chances? Well, I do think the Lakers are taking this season to evaluate where AD is really at. That was what we heard going in. They want to find out, is Anthony Davis that superstar again that we can build around as LeBron starts to get ready to, to sail off into the sunset? And that was the thought process coming in. Uh, that's part of why they traded for Anthony Davis was, hey, he can sustain success for us. LeBron, as he phases out, Anthony Davis can take on more of that burden. Hasn't really gone down that way. And I think this season's going to matter a lot for how they view Anthony Davis. I don't think they're ready to make any of those decisions just yet. But by the end of this season, I think they'll have a pretty good sense of whether or not they want Anthony Davis to be a piece to build around for the future, or if they just decide he's not going to be that, and perhaps you look at trading him at some point whenever it becomes time to transition into a rebuild phase, or perhaps you just let him play out the contract of a player option in a couple of years, and then you part ways at that point. Uh, Jeremy said, ask the Pacers for Matherin in a trade. We're not getting him in a trade. That's that's not going to happen. They're not trading. He's looked really good. He's been one of the better rookies in the league this season. Yeah, they are not trading him in a deal. 
Uh, Dante, Matt Ryan came in and did what he's paid to do. Kudos to him. I think he needs more reps. Yeah, Matt Ryan was not bad there uh, in the game against the Denver Nuggets. Came in, uh, did his thing as a shooter, offered some floor spacing, mission accomplished in that regard. He's not a high-level player or anything like that, but he's he's not hurting you on the floor, and he gives you a different skill set than what basically anyone else on the team can offer right now because they just they don't have shooters. Uh, Marcus said, if we get this Russ, seven out of 10 games. So again, Russell Westbrook, 18 points, eight boards, eight assists. Remember, it's not really about the counting stats. Russ is that guy where the counting stats don't offer a true reflection of his value in the game. Uh, he can put up 18, eight and eight and have a disastrous day that leads to your team losing the game. In this case, he put up 18, eight and eight and was effective, was efficient and was a major reason why the Lakers won. You could argue they don't win this game against the Denver Nuggets without him. So credit to him. Marcus is saying, if they get 7 out of 10 games with him playing like this, where he is positively impacting wins, do you keep him this season and re-sign him next summer, $15 million next season, and trade a pick, none and Beverly for someone? It's amazing what a difference one game makes. I mean, we, Lakers fans could not wait. We couldn't wait to get Russell Westbrook out of town. I look after the Portland game again. The the conversation was legitimately is sending him home the best option. Can you win with Russell Westbrook on the floor? And now we're talking about not trading him, not putting him in a deal, finding other players that you can trade, and now we're talking about re-signing him once he becomes a free agent next summer. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. And again, all credit in the world to Russell Westbrook. He had a great game against the Denver Nuggets. I love seeing it. That's the story we've been wanting to tell. The LA crowd rallying around Russ, them feeding off of his energy, him feeding off of their energy, positive interaction, him flying up and down the floor. It was great. That was exactly, I, I couldn't be happier with what we saw. But I will remain cautiously optimistic here. I think coming off the bench can be a good thing but I don't want to overreact to one game and start getting into, well, they can, can they re-sign him next summer? It was one game. I hope we see a lot more of that, but let's cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, Bev is our best free throw shooter. His energy on defense is contagious and he's Dudley in the locker room. You know what? For the, a couple of seasons now, I think the Lakers have underestimated the importance of veterans in the locker room. And I think that's a good point. As much as, Look, Patrick Beverly hasn't had a great season on the floor for the Lakers. I think that's just fair to say. He's done some good things on the defensive end. Indeed, his defense is contagious. It hasn't always been perfect. I think Austin Reeves, and we talked about this on our last show, there's a real argument for putting him in the starting five above Patrick Beverly. I do like the Reeves and Russ combo, though, in the bench unit as well. So, again, you can argue either way. But... Patrick Beverly off the floor has value too. So as much as people right now are running around saying, well, okay, let's keep Russ now, trade Kendrick Nunn and Pat, I think you have to keep in mind that the locker room impact that Patrick Beverly makes matters. Um, Jared Dudley proved that a few seasons ago. What you have in terms of a, a veteran like him in the locker room can make a difference, particularly when you do have some younger players on the team like Austin Reeves, like Max Christie, right? I mean, it matters for these guys. So I think we don't want to, um, I don't I don't think we want to undersell how important that is. Brian said, Russ and two first-round picks for Rozier, Hayward, 
and PJ. So you're be getting Terry Rogier, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington. You know, that's that's a lot of salary coming in. By the way, just Russ for Rogier and Hayward, that is the uh you would have the Hornets actually saving money this year. The Lakers would be spending actually an extra four million roughly in salaries if you were to do that trade. Just Russ for Rogier and Hayward. Now you can add in, I haven't done the math to see for sure, but he's on an expiring rookie deal. So I believe you could add in PJ and still be okay and still be trade legal. Again, I have not done the math on it, but um, in theory, you could. Your luxury tax payment's going to go up. That's a lot of talent coming in though. And so if you're the Lakers, I think you'd be interested in doing that. And maybe you plug in like a winning Gabriel or something just to have a little bit more salary going out and lessen the impact on your luxury tax. Although I guess Wenyan is non-guaranteed anyway, but in any event, it's an interesting trade package. It's probably the ideal one if you decide that the Hornets deal is the way to go. If you could get those three guys, that'd be pretty darn good. Um, that would be a nice influ influx of talent for the Lakers. Nick T. Matt Ryan needs more minutes because he's a distraction to the opposition. He frees AD and LeBron from double teams. That's what shooting does, right? Matt Ryan is a guy who, number one, can shoot efficiently, and number two will pull the trigger. Sometimes to a fault where Matt Ryan gets the ball and just instantly the shot's going up. But there's two things we have to remember that in terms of defenses, what do they care about, right? What are they looking at when they're defending? They care about who can hit shots. That matters. That matters. What you want is a defense that's going to stay attached to a guy on the perimeter so that it opens up space in the interior. And if they do have to switch off of somebody, that's the guy where if the ball gets swung to them, the defense's eyes get big and it's, oh no, and they're running as fast as they can to try to close out on that player. Nobody's doing that to Russ. Nobody's doing that to Damian Jones. Nobody's doing that necessarily to a, a number of players on the Lakers roster right now. They're not closing out hard on these players. Matt Ryan is such a guy where they have to close out hard because they know he can shoot efficiently and they're confident he's going to pull the trigger. Think about a couple of seasons ago. Marcus Gasol actually shot a really high percentage from three. I was good from there, but teams didn't close out on him with reckless abandon. Why? Because he didn't shoot that much. He frankly just, he didn't shoot that many three pointers. He would hesitate to shoot them. Uh, it's not to say he didn't shoot them at all, but he just didn't have a high volume of shots. So had he been more aggressive shooting them, defenses would be anticipating the shot and they would be more prone to running out to him and trying to cover him and therefore opening up more things. Matt Ryan doesn't have that problem. He's got the quick trigger. He'll take that shot. And that's part of why it's been so obvious that this Lakers team doesn't have enough shooting on it right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Young Rashad, can we trade none and a pick for a great shooter with defense? Could you trade none and a pick for a shooter? Yes. Are you going to get a great shooter who can also defend? Probably not. I'd say that's very unlikely. Why? Because Kendrick Nunn's only making $5 million and change on his current deal. And if you're a great shooter and you can defend, you're making more than that kind of money. It's going to be really hard to find someone in that price range that can fit that bill. That's the problem with that. Um, Look, everybody in the NBA wants guys who can defend and can shoot, particularly big wings who can do those things. And, And so getting one of those for Kendrick Nunn, even if you're adding in a pick, logistically, you're probably not going to find somebody in the salary range that you're looking for there. Nico Wallace, is none for Reddish possible? Yes, it's possible. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm for it. If you can work out a deal there, if you can find something, I don't know if the Knicks do it. I know the Lakers had interest in Cam Reddish last year. They tried to trade for him until the Raptors and the and the Knicks, um, they couldn't figure out life and, and the deal fell apart. Uh, they argued over picks and the whole thing fell to pieces. It was going to be a three-team trade. Would have sent out THT and brought in Cam Reddish, but... If that deal is out there, if that's available, if I'm the Lakers, I'm interested, I'm pursuing it. But we do need to keep in mind that Cam Reddish would need to be re-signed after this season. Kendrick Nunn does too, so I'm not saying there's a huge advantage there, but it's a it's a conversation you would have to have with Reddish's representatives. Hey, if we were to want to keep you long-term, what are we talking here, contract-wise? Similar conversation has to be had with Miles Turner, who's on an expiring contract. If you're going to trade for him, you're going to give up real assets to get him, you need to know what that cost is going to be in order to keep him long-term because that's going to help inform your decision of whether or not it's worth giving up both first-round picks, say, in order to get a player like that. Like if Miles Turner says, well, I want a max deal, and that's the only thing I'll go for, otherwise I'm going to walk in free agency. Okay, well, then, then your incentive to trade for him is gone. So it's important that you can have those conversations too, and maybe there's some back-channeling that needs to be done in order to avoid tampering. Although the 76ers got away with tampering, didn't they? Uh, guilty, I suppose, of uh, talking with P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, not to say they're the only team doing this, but ahead of free agency actually beginning. And the penalty was a couple of first-round picks, 2023 and 2024. That's not going to dissuade any team. In fact, most teams will say, that's the price I have to pay in order to talk to free agents ahead of time? Here you go, take the picks especially if it's a team like the 76ers where they're projected to be late second round picks, teams will give those up all day, every day to get an advantage in signing their free agent targets. So yeah, maybe, maybe tampering isn't such a big deal to the NBA after all, based on that ruling. Uh, Two Shifty said, uh, love this show. So much fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate the positivity there. Sealed Bean said something really underrated is Russ's defense. He's indeed been selling out of the defensive end, doing everything he needs to do there. I've been impressed with him on that. And not to say he's been perfect. He still has his moments where he gets lost off ball and things like that. But the difference has been noticeable compared to last season. Uh, His effort there, he's made some big plays for the Lakers on the defensive end. Uh, This comment says, saw Pirtle and McDermott playing today. Josh Richardson was out. If we can do that deal for one unprotected and a top five protected, then do the deal. Yeah, I mean, McDermott brings the shooting the Lakers need, brings a little bit of size on the wing. Not a great defender, but if you need shooting, he's not a bad option. And then Jakob Pertl is good. <laughs> and Jakob Pertl is a good center. And he would be a nice addition to this Lakers team. And a nice, I don't want to say fallback, but a nice buffer for Anthony Davis to where if AD needs to sit out a game, 
you aren't resigned to LeBron at the center position for the bulk of his minutes and playing super small. You've got a true big that can be in there. And, and you can say the same thing for Miles Turner. Uh, there's probably going to be some other options as well. But yeah, I mean, the more I see this season play out, the more on board I'm getting with, you probably want to get a big back in, in the deal if you're going to do a deal. Kyle Roberts, great win to get that off our back. But while we're looking for three-point shooters, can we look for layup makers as well? LOL, too many missed layups. Kyle, I, I got to tell you, so during, if you joined us over on playback for the Lakers Nation uh, live stream of the, of the game and you got to watch the game directly with us, experience all the highs and lows with us, Sean Davis and I were losing our minds at the number of missed layups we saw in that first half, first quarter especially. Man, the Lakers, they were they were not settling for threes. They were driving to the basket. They were attacking the rim. Couldn't get to the free throw line. By the way, Lakers, one of the top teams in the NBA at shots at the rim and one of the bottom in free throw attempts. Something to keep an eye on. And maybe something I'll do a bit more investigating on. But they couldn't make layups. And LeBron was like 0 of 4, 0 for 5, I think at one point, on layups, just missing shots at the rim. It was unbelievable. But you know what? I'm not going to dwell on the negative too much. They won the game. Results over process in that one, as I said. Lake Show Mike, this was a great win by the Lakers. Is it safe to say this version of the Lakers with energy can make the play-in tournament? Well, I mean, Mike, that's a that's a pretty low bar to clear, make the play-in tournament. But I would say, yes, this team should be a play-in team at the at the least. Um, long way to go. They're one and five right now. So you've got a lot of ground to make up there, but it's early in the season. You've got time to do that. Their schedule is going to be tough over the next few games or so. But that said, yeah, look, they, they should be a play-in team. Antoine Banks, thoughts on a Hornets trade centered around Gordon? Uh, again, the news from today was that, or yesterday, was that the Lakers aren't that interested in, in taking on Gordon Hayward's deal. Uh, I don't know if that's a deal breaker, but it sounds like Gordon Hayward isn't necessarily a guy that they really want to give up any kind of positive assets to get. It would more be Terry Rozier that would be their target. Uh, Braun to Gordon seems like a perfect fit, but if we could grab Rozier, he's like a Kyrie light. Yeah, I, I'd sound to me, the way Stein's report was worded made it sound like the Hornets would want it to be Hayward and Rozier. And then if you're the Lakers, you're absorbing a lot of future salary that way. The Hornets are clearing a ton of future salary and the Lakers were kind of balking at Hayward being in. But I don't even know if the Hornets are ready to make a trade. You know, that's something we need, we've talked about a lot of teams around the NBA are simply not in a position to make a trade right now because they're still waiting to for the dust to settle to figure out what they have and what they don't. I mean, hell, look look what's going on around the NBA right now. The Utah Jazz. We expected this team to tank, to be absolutely terrible, to be one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. And here they are. They just beat the Memphis Grizzlies. The Jazz right now are the three seed in the West and they are six and two. Like, what is going on here? Now, their margin of victory is only plus four, which, I mean, still is a positive uh, point differential, but that would suggest they're probably playing a little above their heads right now, but they're better than expected. So this is why teams want to see things like this play out because they want to get a sense for what they really are. Were their off-season plans wrong and they really are something else? And do they need different things than they would have anticipated just a few weeks ago before the season started? So teams want to wait 20 25 games, those are the numbers we've heard in relation to the Lakers. A lot of teams look at December 15th as the unofficial start to trade season because that's when all the players who signed contracts last season are available to be traded. And so I can't even say that the Hornets 
if the Lakers called them up and said, hey, all right, Gordon and Rogier for Russ and two firsts, unprotected, done deal, let's go. I can't even say that the Lakers would do, or the Hornets would say, deal, yeah, we're ready. A lot of teams aren't ready to make a trade right now. So it's not even just, is the value right? It's not even just, does this help the Lakers? What is it better to get a big or a wing or a guard? And you know, can you get enough shooting? And all the things we're going to discuss. The first hurdle that has to be overcome is, is Team X, Hornets, Pacers, Spurs, whoever, even willing to make a trade right now? Because they might not be. Most teams aren't at this stage of the season. Lakers, can the Lakers trade for Kyrie? He would help. They want to after all the stuff that's come out about Kyrie in the last couple of days. Could they in theory? Sure. You could still do a Russ for Kyrie swap and off you go. You could do a Kyrie trade. And maybe the Nets hit a point. If the Nets lose enough games, they won last night, but if they lose enough games, maybe the Nets hit a point where they say, you know what? This isn't going anywhere. This isn't working. Kyrie's an expiring contract. We're worried that he's going to leave in the summer for nothing. Let's get something for him right now. That's possible. That's possible. But again, I think teams would have serious reservations about trading for Kyrie in this moment after what's what's been going on. Seven grand. LA needs to stand pat. Teams get desperate at the deadline. I mean, right now, teams look at the Lakers as desperate. Now, some of that desperation was relieved by winning a game, but that doesn't mean that the team is suddenly, you know, uh, an above 500 team. They're one in five. Teams are going to see the Lakers as desperate. And that may exist all the way through the trade deadline. Uh, teams may be more willing to work a deal. And the Lakers hope is that what, what they can do is find a way to get Russ to work, to click. Maybe this coming off the bench thing is it. If Darvin Ham has cracked the code with this and they start winning some games and teams and the fans are feeling good and, and all of that's happening, then maybe come December, come January, teams can go to the Lakers and say, and you know, say, well, you know what? We'll take Russ, but you have to give us everything. Give us all your picks, give us pick swaps, give us seconds, everything you've got, and maybe we'll consider giving you a little bit of talent back. And the Lakers can say, take a hike. No, we're good. We don't have any urgency to make a trade right now. Look, Darvin Ham figured it out. He made Russ work. Long term, yeah, we, we probably need to switch up this roster. We probably need some different pieces and stuff, but we're not desperate. We don't have to do something crazy right now. That's the best case scenario for the Lakers. That this, what we saw against the Nuggets, continues. They're not going to shoot 42, 43% from three every night. But if they could shoot 31, 32, they're going to win games. They're going to win games. If they were averaging 31% on the season, you've heard me say it, they would have beat the Clippers. They would have beat the Blazers. They would have wins on their record right now, no question. And that's what the hope is for LA. That you can get into those, those situations, that the team does well enough, they keep their head above water, that when... Random team, whatever, the Pacers, goes to the Lakers and says, you guys are desperate. Give us everything. The Lakers can fire back. No, we're not. And they can mean it. They can mean it because they don't have to make a trade because Darvin Ham has figured things out, at least to keep the team respectable. And they can re reclaim some leverage in the meantime. That's the best case scenario. Kronos, would you do Bev Nunn and a second for Duncan Robinson incentive for Miami is to move off his contract? I would not. If I'm taking on Duncan Robinson's contract, uh, I need assets coming back to me, especially if I'm giving up expiring contracts. If the Miami Heat are getting off of Duncan Robinson's deal, look, 
People have been saying this nonstop. If the Lakers are going to move Russ, they're going to move off of a $47 million contract. Well, then they need to pay. Both first round picks. That's the price, period. Duncan Robinson is averaging 12 minutes per game right now for the Miami Heat. He has appeared in seven games. And in that time, Duncan Robinson is indeed shooting 36% from three. Just solid. That's good. But only on three attempts because, again, he's barely playing. He's only playing 12 minutes a game. Duncan Robinson is not paid like a guy who shoots 36% from three. I know with the Lakers right now, you hear 36% and you go, oh my gosh, that's so much better than anything we've got right now. And you're not wrong. But Duncan Robinson was a guy who needed to shoot 40% from three in order to make up for his deficiencies elsewhere, like on the defensive end of the floor. Look, Miami gave up on him, essentially. He started playing in the playoffs, started playing Max Struess over him, who's not making anywhere near what he what uh, what uh, Duncan is making. With that salary and the fact that it's got several years left on it, if you're the Lakers and you're taking back Duncan Robinson, you need to be incentivized for doing that if you're going to give up expiring contracts. Miami would need to add in picks to get something like that done. STLE said, keep up the good work, fellas. Thank you. We certainly appreciate that. Can we package Pat Bev and Nunn for a P.J. Washington-type player? That would actually be a little bit too much salary going out, but in theory, yes, you could. You could put those two players together, offer them as expiring contracts, and take on maybe a, maybe long-term money that way. Keep in mind, if you do take on any long-term money that's eating into any salary cap space you would have next year, we're projecting somewhere between 25, 30-ish million, somewhere in that range, depending on what the Lakers do, uh, in salary cap space. So if you go get uh, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, let's say that's like $18 million going out. You go sign Miles Turner, then you sign him to an extension that keeps the salary the same, $18 million. Okay, so now your $25 million in cap space is seven because you traded for Miles Turner and signed him to an extension, right? And so that's something you have to factor into any of these deals. Is it worth sacrificing your free agency flexibility next summer and your flexibility in making trades as well? next summer in order to do something like that. Again, I'm, I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm for it. Uh, honestly, I look at the free agent market for next year and I don't see a lot out there. It's getting slimmer by the day. I mean, Bojan Bogdanovic just signed an extension with the Pistons. Andrew Wiggins would have been another target. He already signed an extension. If I'm the Lakers, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in. I'm going to go sign somebody in free agency this next year. Maybe you can use your cap space to help facilitate a trade but I don't know if I'm looking at next year's free agency as this home run free agent class. I'm definitely not looking at it as a home run free agent class that's going to land you a big major piece. Kyrie may be out there, but how much of a pay cut is he willing to take? And with what's going on, if these issues continue, do you, do you want that? I mean, it's a real discussion you have to have. Big Meech said, I think you skipped my super chat. Oh, I made sure I left this one in here because I wanted to explain to everybody... Um, so the super chats, the way they work during the live shows, the longer the show goes, the further behind I am. By the end of the show, I'm getting to the super chats that came like 40 minutes before. If the show's an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, I'm getting to the ones that came at like the 20 minute mark, the 25 minute mark or something by that point, because they just, they stack up. And again, it's, it's fantastic. And we're so appreciative of all of our fans who've come in and have so many questions and comments and, and all that sort of stuff. 
I'm not overlooking anybody's. We always just kick them to the next show if we can't get to them in a particular one. But when people are putting in the, the chat, sometimes they think that I'm looking at what's on the screen, what's on their screen in real time at that moment is what I'm looking at. I'm usually way back. I'm usually way behind in that Sean will often keep up or Matt, Matt, the optimist Peralta, whoever else is on, will keep up with real time. I'm usually way behind. So I'm not skipping anybody. It just means we haven't gotten to it. Um, but Wenyan's got to stop shooting threes and jumpers. We did actually get to that one. Uh, I remember we did talk about that one. Uh, he needs to cut to the basket basket more. That's my master lock. All right. So big Meech throwing out there the master lock on Wenyan Gabriel shooting threes, shooting jumpers. That's supposed to be part of the benefit of his game. Part of the good thing about him is that he can stretch the floor a little bit. Not necessarily a great shooter from out there, but we haven't seen great results there either recently. So not totally in disagreement with that. All right. ADs acting like Shaq from three kills offensive spacing, yet super confident from 20. That Denver game winner seems like forever ago. Attempt them like Giannis. You know, AD... It's, it's like we're riding this three-point roller coaster where he started off in preseason shooting them. The form even looked good. Then the last few games, he hasn't been shooting them as much. His percentage hasn't been very high. And it seems like he's just, like his confidence just comes and goes in shooting the three-pointer. A lot of times it seems like he reluctantly is shooting it. Like he's not really wanting to shoot the shot, but defenses are giving it to him. So he just kind of takes it because he feels like he has to. Um, that's not ideal. You want Anthony Davis stepping into it and shooting it with confidence. You're right. Look, I mean, AD fading away, coming off of a curl, hits a, a three, falling out of bounds to beat the Denver Nuggets in game two in 2020. We're a far cry from that. And he does seem more confident shooting the 20-footer. And I'll say that was a positive in the game against the Nuggets. He was shooting that shot with confidence and, and hitting it. Um, and that was good to see because there were times last season when his jumper was it completely abandoned him and he couldn't make that shot. So on one hand, I'll take him hitting the 20 foot jumper, but yes, I would ideally like to see him knocking in 30 ish percent of his three point shots. That would be enough. I'd be good with that, but you got to take him in order to do that. I'd like to see him do that with confidence. Easier said than done. Jay saw love me some Lonnie Walker. You know, this Lonnie Walker was the quintessential results over process player. I thought he actually took some bad shots in the win over the nuggets but he made them. And so that, that was fine. Look, they, the Lakers needed the boost that he gave them, especially late in the third quarter of that game when he came in, hit a big three in transition. Nobody was in place to rebound just yet. I was I was pulling my hair out when I saw him pull the trigger on that shot and had a couple of, of contested mid-range jumpers that he took. But to his credit, he knocked them down. Um, Lonnie needs to score the ball for the Lakers. They need him to be that extra scoring punch for them. I do. I would like to see him be a little bit more selective, but again, in that game, he was hitting his shots. He made a difference there, and it was nice to see that from him, to see those shots go down. Not that I want to see him taking those all the time, but in that moment, he did what he needed to do. He, he look, We just talked about AD not shooting threes with confidence. Lonnie is maybe a little too confident, but against the Nuggets, it paid off. Super dope hip-hop said, people need to study history. Kobe, Kareem, Dirk, KG, Vince... Year 20, 5 of 18 uh, points per game on terrible efficiency. Braun in year 20 is going to have down halves in games. He's not a cyborg. Still the GOAT in year 20. Yeah, a lot of people were uh, prematurely reporting the demise of LeBron James in the first half of that game, saying that he's washed, he doesn't have it anymore, all of that. I can tell you what, and I know this from personal experience, 
as you get older, and those of you who are older like me can uh, can attest to this, you have good days and you have bad days. You, you do. You could have, when I was, I was still playing a lot of pickup ball, like as I got older, I would have a good game and then I could have a bad game in the same day. Um, where you just you just don't feel like you have it, you don't feel like you have the list lift or anything, and then other days you go out there and you feel like you're 25 again, and your legs are springy and you're bouncing all over the place and you've got energy and you're good, and those days become fewer and fewer the older that you get. Um, so we, that's just that's part of the process here for LeBron. He's gonna have some days where he still looks like an absolute freak and he's bouncing out of the gym and he's throwing down dunks and all that. And he's gonna have other days where you can see he doesn't have quite as much lift or you could see he's settling for the jumper a little bit more. He's still going to be an incredibly impactful player. He's still amazing, but he might not be able to do all the superhuman stuff every day like he did when he was 27 instead of 37. That's just, that's the way it goes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Knowledge AP said none, Bev, and a first-rounder for Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. Uh, that's actually too much salary coming back in, I believe. I think that's too much coming back in when you stack up those two players. But point taken, you're, you're trying to get wings without parting with Russ, which again is a crazy spot that this is this is where we're at now. And again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Russ. I just think it's, ama- it's such a quick turnaround. It's amazing. Uh, Travis, super early end of the season record predictions. I said going into the season, my official prediction, I bounced around a lot of different numbers. My official prediction was 41 and 41, 500 for the Lakers. Uh, season, I was actually the most pessimistic of Lakers Nation staff, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting to be more pessimistic than Ryan Ward, but here we are. I was. Um, that was my official prediction was 41 and 41. I'm not going to change that now. George Nguyen said 21 to 2 run came with the Joker out. Silly to call out LeBron. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. It's, it's, it's silly to call out LeBron, period. He's doing some amazing things. Um, that doesn't mean we can't criticize him when he's had bad days. He had a bad game uh, against the Wolves, I thought. And we talked all about it. I think I gave him my master lock because he wasn't very good in that game. And just eight, eight turnovers didn't look like he had the intensity, the fire, that sort of thing. So I'm not saying we don't call out LeBron and we don't, we can't be critical of his game when it's warranted. But um, it's silly to blame things on LeBron and not factor in all the positives that he brings as well. Is he going to have some bad games? Yes, but he's still an overwhelmingly massive positive on this Lakers team. Send by NFT. I'm not sure where Schroeder fits into these lineups. And I think, look, I think this really speaks to the roster construction as a whole because coming into the season, we were saying, I don't know where Lonnie fits. And now Lonnie has proved himself and proved that just out of by merit, he's been one of the better players. And so he's proved that he should be getting minutes. And so naturally that's going to become, okay, well, these guard minutes need to go to Lonnie. So somebody else is going to be left out. Now, Kendrick Nunn only played three minutes against the Denver Nuggets. He lost minutes. Not Lonnie was having a good game. Kendrick didn't get those minutes. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, where do you plug him in? 
when he gets healthy. Again, that's probably a week and a half, two weeks till he gets reevaluated. We'll be somewhere in there. And then the Lakers are going to have to figure out how they move him into the rotation if they do. There's a lot of guards. Not everybody's going to get to play with this roster set up as it is. And so, yeah, right now it's tough to see where Schroeder is. But again, maybe he comes back and he tears it up and he's fantastic. With Russ off the bench, though, we had thought it was going to be Schroeder in that kind of off-the-bench role. So how does that change things? We'll have to see what Darvin Ham does. Keon Park. Pau Gasol was our god of victory at today's game. Pau is just awesome in many ways. I agreed. Pau is fantastic. He was at the game for the George Mikan uh, jersey retirement ceremony. Um, and, and it was great to see Pau there in attendance. I was joking during our live stream of the game that, uh, that the Lakers needed to just give Pau a jersey, that he could still give them 10 minutes at the center position a night. Just get him out there. They needed some help in the middle. But, uh, but no, Pau was fantastic, an all-time great. And uh, yeah, it was great to see him in the building. By the way, there was the Lakers were catching some flack. I saw even uh, even some people who were media for the the team, like uh, covering the team, criticizing the Lakers for not having Jeannie and Rob Palenka come out and when I, for the the George Mike and Jersey retirement. And that was a, a pregame retirement celebration. We talked a bit about it that typically that type of thing would happen at halftime. And the Lakers made the decision to put it before the game. And the immediate reaction was, well, they're doing that because there won't be as many fans in the building if they do it pregame. Um, fans won't be settled in their seats. We know the LA crowd likes to arrive late. And so if Jeannie and Rob are out there, that's less fans to boo them, right? And then it, we found out, that, okay, Jeannie and Rob aren't even going to conduct it, which normally they would. Normally the GM would be part of this. The owner would certainly be part of it. Um, and instead it was James Worthy who conducted the, the ceremony. And there were some people who criticized the Lakers for that. Who said, well, you know, they're scared. The Lakers don't want to, you know, they, they don't want to face the music because post-game, it would have been fine. But pre-game, fans were very on edge. Um, they've seen this team lose now five games in a row. And the thought was, hey, if Jeannie and Rob come out, they're going to get booed. They're going to get booed. And there were people criticizing them for not coming out, for not showing their faces. And I think that's missing the point. I think the Lakers absolutely did the right thing because if you're George Mikan's family, how do you feel if during that Jersey retirement ceremony, which is supposed to be about what he meant to the franchise and what he meant to the sport, if it becomes about Jeannie and Rob getting booed? Because that's what would have been picked up by ESPN. That's what would have been picked up. That clip would have circulated through social media. Rob gets on the mic and the crowd serenades him with booze. Jeannie gets on the mic and gets booed. That's what the story becomes. It takes away from what the focal point is supposed to be. So while we I, look, I would imagine that Rob and Jeannie probably don't want to go out there and get booed. That's not a great experience. That's not something that someone would look forward to. But knowing that that would probably be the fan reaction, I think that was the respectful thing to do for George Mikan. And for his family was to not go out there and do that. So the focus could still be on George Mikan because it is a George Mikan Jersey retirement ceremony. So, I mean, criticize them if you want about them being cowardly, not showing their faces or, or whatever. I think it was the right call. I think it was the right decision and it was the respectful decision in order to keep the focus on what the focus was supposed to be on in that moment. 
I mean, the man was the first superstar in the NBA. I think it's important that people were able to appropriately show, appropriately show their respect. And that wouldn't have happened if Rob got out there on the mic, given all the angst that was going through the fan base in that moment. Francesco, uh, Francisco, I mean, uh, said, do you think Miami let none go because they knew something about his health or mental health? Something is off with him. He cooked us in the finals. You know, Kendrick Nunn was out all of last season, as Lakers fans are well aware of. And it takes some time to recover from something like that. It takes some time to build the body back up. takes some time just to get that rhythm back, to get used to playing NBA basketball. I mean, has he competed in an NBA game in a full year? That's a long time to not play in an NBA game. And so it's not surprising to me that he's taken some time to, to get his legs under him again. I don't think Miami had some like, inside knowledge that oh this guy there's something wrong here he's not going to be able to, to be this guy anymore i i would be surprised if that was the case again the the general reaction around the league was shock when the lakers signed him for the amount they did getting him for the taxpayer mid-level they thought they got a key rotation player when they signed kendrick nunn and i don't think the lakers want to just write him off at this point i think we just have to understand that it might take a little while for him to kind of get up and running and get going and the Lakers are still hoping that he can be a key contributor for this team. And I've talked about this before. Contractually, he's one of the few players that they actually will have early bird rights on and will have a shot to keep in free agency should they use their cap space elsewhere, like in a trade or in another free agent signing. So Kendrick Nunn, I think, is actually important for this team's future, and it's important that they manage to help him find his way back. We saw flashes in preseason where he looked really good. And so I don't think it's... I think it's too early to just write him off, but Darvin Ham did make the decision. Hey, you're only playing three minutes because Lonnie has it going and we need to win this game. So I don't think minutes are guaranteed for him moving forward, but I do think it behooves the Lakers to continue to help him try to figure out how to get all the way back and really regain his rhythm. Again, we're six games into the season. I think it's too early to write the guy off at this point and saying, oh, he's just damaged goods. He'll never be what he was. He didn't play for a year. That, that, that takes a while to, to come back from. All right, Lakers Nation, thank you guys so much for joining me. Appreciate all of you. If you are on the YouTube channel, make sure that you do subscribe, turn on those notifications, and like this video as well. And then over on the podcast side, give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Lakers get the Pelicans coming up uh, tomorrow. So we'll start getting ready for that game. Thank you guys. Remember, Fresh Podcast will be out tomorrow morning, breaking down the matchup a little bit and talking about everything else going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. Till then, see ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.